0: I don't know if I've shared with you many times the way my schedule works out from week to week, but as you probably have guessed, I'm usually pretty busy on Saturday and Sunday. So my weekend Sabbath downtime is Tuesday, and two days ago I did what I normally do and I went down to my parents' house in Charlotte. But, of course, they're out of town. My sister just had baby number seven, which is awesome, and my mom and dad are up there right now. So I was at the house, but I did not have the normal peace and quiet at the house when they're not gone because I had a house guest. You guessed it. It was Father Rossi. And so it wasn't quite as quiet as I would have expected, but the nice thing was so we got to celebrate Mass. I've got like a nice little chapel set up. We had Mass, and then afterwards... We had probably one of the best conversations on the rosary that I've had in a really long time. And even kind of share that with you because, you know, there are times when it's like you got some downtime, a weekend you're off, you're away. You know, you kind of like vent about things or complain about this or that. And it was just so good to be talking about the Rosary, and literally, like, we talked about it for like 25 minutes. He just got this new book, and it's from a group near Charlotte called Holy Heroes. I saw their booth at the Eucharistic Congress, and it's like a book, it's like the Rosary according to St. John Paul II. And he's sharing all this stuff with me, and it was just so good and really incredible. And then we prayed the Rosary, and it took us a little bit longer than normal because of the different meditations. And it was one of those things where it's like we finish up and it was just so empowering, so good. And it's funny because I think sometimes we forget about the power that we have in our pocket you know, when it comes to the rosary, when it comes to thinking about God's power and how that manifests itself. And this is one of those feasts that's kind of like that, where it's the awesome power of God and yet... It's so incredibly subtle. Because, you know, what we celebrate today is the immaculate conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The fact that from the very beginning of Mary's existence, she was never tainted by sin like we are. And when I say tainted by sin, I mean, you look at our first reading from today, you know, the immediate after effects of the fall. We all know these readings well, but I got to tell you, every time... I hear those words, you know, spoken, you know, repeating what our Heavenly Father said after our first parents fell. They're heartbreaking. Where are you? Right, to have that separation from God, that they who were in the garden and walked with Him in the cool of the evening, right, that they threw it all away because the serpent convinced them that they could have knowledge like God. You can become like God's. And as my favorite scripture professor likes to say, that when they got all of this knowledge, the only thing they found out is that they're naked, right? I mean, that's what happens. All of a sudden, they're afraid, right? That is what they have learned. And all of a sudden, there's this division. God is having to say, where are you? But the glory of today and why we get these, like, huge blockbuster readings between the account of the aftermath of the fall and then the annunciation, right? What happens as a result of God stepping in, him not abandoning us to our parents, our first parents' bad decisions, right? Yes, they were duped by the serpent. Adam didn't do his job of guarding and working. You know, Eve was seduced by the serpent. The serpent, you know, is wanting to pull them away. It's wanting division, but God assured them from the beginning that it wasn't going to end there. And to hear those amazing lines, it's called the proto-evangelium, the first gospel, the first good news, is God saying to the serpents, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike at your head well, you strike, his heel, And this is one of those areas where the translation's not as good as it could be. For strike at, it's the word in Hebrew, shuf, which in other places in the Old Testament, shuf is translated as crush, right? So the, the seed of the woman, right? Her son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, will crush the head of the serpent while the serpent strikes at the heel of Christ. Now, obviously, we know that the devil is good at striking, right? But it was funny last night as I was hearing that first reading, all of a sudden this image came to me and I apologize for it. But for those of you who are Office fans, remember the episode when Michael Scott, who liked to wake up to the smell of cooking bacon, stepped into his George Foreman grill when he woke up and burned his foot. And it's like this whole thing with him needing to go to the hospital in the episode and his you know, faithful assistant, well, assistant to the regional manager, Dwight, like gets a head injury on the way, right? And Michael, who's like trying to garner all this sympathy, says to the doctor, well, which is worse, a foot injury or a head injury? And of course the doctor doesn't even have to hesitate. A head injury. Well, you don't understand how bad the foot can be. No, it's a head injury, right? And we're assured in this first reading, yes, the devil strikes at the heel, and we continue to feel his striking, but a foot injury is nothing compared to a head injury. And when you look at the way that God comes in to crush the head of the serpent, I mean, he acts subtly, as I said, it's the immaculate conception. What is happening in Mary being preserved from original sin, the whole wide world is not seeing it but it's like the first streaks of dawn. We don't have the full sunrise yet, that's coming later on, but we're not abandoned to darkness. And you see this, like the, the greater aspects of the light, the fulfillment of what's happening with Mary being so united to God, being full of grace. We hear about the angel Gabriel, An angel means messenger, and the name Gabriel means the power of God. And what's going on when the power of God delivers the message of God? Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. That she is going to conceive in her womb and bear the son. The son that will crush the head of the serpent. And once again, this is another moment in the history of salvation that's so utterly crucial and nobody sees it going on except for Mary herself, right? And I bring that up in relation to just meditating on the rosary. Because there's so often in our lives when we can just feel like, ah, I keep getting attacked. You know, the serpent, he's so strong, he's going to overwhelm me. Remember this, he can only attack the heel, right? Don't give him the power to overwhelm you because he doesn't have it. As long as we stay close to the power of God, as long as we stay close to the one who is full of grace, we don't have anything to worry about. We know we're on the winning team. And the beautiful thing about the rosary, if we keep going back to it time and again, and this is one of those things that Father Rossi told me, I never thought of this before. Why is it that every time that Mary appears, she keeps telling us to pray the rosary every day, right? She doesn't give us all sorts of different advice. She doesn't say eat an apple every day. She doesn't even say go to mass every day. She says pray the rosary every day. And if you look at the words from the rosary, they're all divine words, It's the message from the angels. We're saying, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And we're announcing what God has announced, that he's coming in to crush the head of the serpent. What's the other prayer that we pray? "The our Father. The very words that the Savior who's coming into the world right here gives us to pray to our Heavenly Father. And as we're praying all of those, we're meditating on the life of Christ and the fact that he has come in to overcome the serpent and to crush his head. Now, I know that the rosary that's like the sword on our belt doesn't always feel like, ha-ha, we're acting so strong. And sometimes it seems like that serpent has a lot more gunpowder than we do. But it just isn't the case. Yes, our blessed mother was affected by that, you know, same serpent. She was struck at the heel. We talk about the seven sorrows of Mary. She went through difficulties. I mean, the seven sorrows are the prophecy of Simeon when she finds out a sword of sorrow would pierce her heart, their flight into Egypt, losing Jesus for three days before finding him in the temple. And then the other four all have to do with the passion, meeting him on the way of the cross, the actual crucifixion, our Lord being placed into her arms after dying on the cross and the burial. Yes, Mary suffered. And the fact of the matter is, it's like, yes, yeah, she's free from sin. God doesn't have to say to her, where are you? But she is still in this world. She does still suffer when her children suffer around her. Even our statue over here of the Immaculate Heart points to that as it continues to be surrounded with thorns. She knows that we go through suffering too. But ultimately, the greater suffering is when we follow the example of our first parents rather than the example of our blessed Mother. Whenever God has to say to us, where are you? That's when we have our greatest difficulties. That's when we have the greatest problems. When we're going after the serpents rather than going after our Lord. The good news, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is that our Lord who acts powerfully and subtly wants to come into all of this with us all of the time. And this feast is just one of those where it's like, the dawn of grace on a darkened world, right? That God does not abandon his people. And so as we move through day to day, and of course, we're at like the darkest time of the year, right? It's even been cloudy the last couple days. Although it was sunny at the beginning of the mass. Hopefully that will kind of kick back up again. But as we move through our lives, don't be overwhelmed by the serpents. Don't be overwhelmed by his cunning and his deceptions and all of that. Keep returning to our Lady keep returning to our Lord and recognizing that fact that, yes, his power is so subtle, and yet it's the power that ultimately can crush the head of the serpent that's so much more powerful than a foot injury. It's so powerful that it will lead us on to the glories of heaven. Let's ask our Blessed Mother for the help to hold on now to that great life chain to heaven that is the rosary, to reflect on those words from heaven and to remember... That God does not abandon His people. Praise be Jesus Christ. Now.